Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. Dr. Tim Hayes is hosting for us today, and we are so glad. Thank you. Michael is out picking people up at the airport, and so he's maybe on the show with us a little bit later, but right now he is sidetracked. So we welcome you to the show with the Forgiveness Doctor. And I am your co-host, Jeannie, and today is Monday, February the 1st, 2016. Man, the time is already flying by. Twelfth of the year is already gone. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Dr. Tim. Well, hello, Jeannie. How was your weekend? It was good. It was busy. We uh, got up here to uh, the house that we've rented for the month and and. Brought their stuff in, unpacked, like we had a whole trailer of 10 huge container crates with everything that we would need, the sprouter, the dehydrator, all of the bowls and dishes and knives and special tools and lots of spices and everything. And then we got all that settled up and went out to the store and we've ordered all the food and had it had to pick it up yesterday and went to farmers markets and so it's been busy running to get everything all of the behind the scenes that has to happen before an intensive starts so we got all of that done and uh, so like I said we're uh, sitting here I'm waiting on a delivery to come and Michael's gone to pick three people up at the airport we had of course Ari came in uh, night before last and then we had three other people come in yesterday, so we've got eight more coming in today. And busy, busy. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So we're uh, uh, looking at 11 attendees plus you and Michael and Ari, or? Uh, ten attendees, and Michael and myself and Ari. All right. Yeah, well, so it's, it's a full exciting. house. Yeah, it as, is. As, as always, we know that Lots is going to happen in the next nine days. and, and Yeah, I was the, talking to Julie yesterday, and I said, I think my intensive actually started about three days ago. So <laughs> it's always put you in process when you know what's getting ready to come up. Anything you want to share? <laughs> or, was the, or was the laugh enough? 
<laughs> I think the laugh was enough right now. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. However, it's, you know, um, I know there were emotional thoughts and feelings and, and upsets and things that um, came forward. And I know that's just the front end of it because physically I'm having some aches and pains. So I know, am I still on? Yes. My, it looked, I just disappeared off the switchboard. <laughs> And uh, so I know that whatever's getting ready to come out is, um, you know, right now it's manifesting physically, but I am sure I will, once I have time to settle, it's like, you know, there's so much stuff that has to be done. It's like, you know, busy running and getting it done that it's kind of a challenge sometimes to just actually sit and process through it. And so I know that today will be the last of that really rush and the intensity starts tonight. So I'm sure that whatever it is, is going to come forward. Well, it's um, it's wonderful to have tools like this to deal with that, and uh, it doesn't always feel good as it's coming out, but as you know, or you wouldn't keep doing this work, it leads to something much better on the other side. And the tools that we have for that, um, for those turning into the radio show today who may not be familiar, this is a show about tools, tools to use, practical tools to use to improve the quality of your life, your relationships, your physical, mental, and emotional health. And the primary tool for that is the ancient Aramaic technology and process of forgiveness. And it's quite different from pardoning, the Greek concepts. This is about going inside myself and removing energies that don't belong. Any Anything less than the energy of creation, the energy of love that wants to express through me in a loving, positive, creative, joyful, inclusive way is something that I can, if I have the tools and the awareness, I can remove from my energy system. And the more I do that, the easier it is for me to connect with, to see, to feel and experience myself as the energy of creation, the energy of love, the energy of the newborn child, which is always there. It's my true nature. It's my core. It can't ever be hurt, scratched, dented, rusted, chipped away in any fashion. It can, however, be covered up. I can be distracted from it. I can create a false sense of separation from it because I have the ability to create, to initiate mind energy, and mind energy is a creative force. And because I have this infinite capacity to choose the focus of my conscious awareness, it's like choosing the focus of the fire hose that sprays out this energy of creation, this mind energy, and I can point it wherever I want, and by pointing it in a certain direction, create my experience of life in that moment. I can create an experience of anger or fear or sadness or hurt or shame or guilt or condemnation and vengeance, and I can create an experience of love, joy, expansion, compassion, fun, creativity, unity, And it's a choice, especially when somebody knows that it's a choice and someone has the tools to remove what's less than love. Of course, in Miracles says you don't have to create, you don't have to go anywhere to find love outside of yourself. All that's needed is for you to remove every obstacle within yourself to seeing and experience your true nature as the energy of love. Of course, I paraphrase, of course, in miracles there, but 
The idea is the same. It comes from many other places. It comes from Way of Mastery. It comes from Krishnamurti. It comes from lots of different sources. Rumi said it in many different ways. And people are going to be going to an intensive in Orlando with you are you you're in Orlando, aren't you, Jeannie? Yes, just outside yeah. of Orlando in Kissimmee. So people are going to be going there, and one of the things that I would encourage people to pay attention to is one of Rumi's quotes. And Rumi says something to the effect of, "All pain in the presence of love becomes medicine." And there's going to be negative emotions, physical aches and pains, all kinds of things stirred up during this intensive because that's what we carry around with us. That's our that's our identity in this culture. And you're going to be introduced to tools in the intensive to help dismantle those energies that are less than love. And you're going to be with people who are practiced at focusing on their true nature as the energy of love and extending that love to others. So as that pain comes up, as the awareness of those false painful memories, energies, traumatic energies and false conclusions come to the surface, people will be holding the space of love and it will turn the pain into medicine. It will turn the process into healing. It will turn into love, it will transmute any energy that's less than love into the one true energy of existence and creation. The tool for that in this work, the primary tool, is the Reality Management Worksheet or the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. It's available on the website at www.whyagain.org. And it's free. Go to that website. Click on the red and white bullseye or the link that says start here, and it takes you to a page where you can download Chapter 24 of Dr. Rice's book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? You can download the most recent version of the seven-step worksheet or wake-up sheet process. You can download hours and hours of audio files of shows just like this where Michael or Jeannie or someone has stepped somebody through the process of dismantling painful energies and beliefs within their system and coming out on the other side with an entirely different experience of themselves and their life in that moment. And, you know, we we frequently mention this. We talk about here are these hours of audio files available. And Michael says he strongly recommends anybody who's serious about this work to just start listening to those audio files. There's one from a woman named Lynn who called in, and she was struggling with an issue that had been over 20 years in the making. And in the process of working with Michael on that worksheet process in that Internet show, she dismantled literal murderous rage that she had been carrying for at least 20 years in one worksheet process. Now, that's unusual. She had great willingness. She had great honesty, and she had, you know, Michael there as as an avid student, as a perpetually avid student. That's what we call a master of this process. 
and the two of them helped her step through a process which allowed her to drop literal murderous rage that she had for somebody for something that happened over 20 years ago. 20 years prior to that, I think that radio show was in our first year. But So Michael recommends that people just go through the list and listen to those shows. Each one is another set of instructions. Each one shows a different tripping up point for me as I try and work through my issues. And I was listening to one uh, earlier today, and I heard myself talk about another source of the very same kind of work, and it's a book that is directed at businesses. And I was stunned years ago when I found this out. It's a uh, a book on um, self-deception. And this is a book that tries to help bring tools, just like the ones Michael teaches, into the business realm, into CEOs and boardrooms, so that people can understand fundamentally how we are constantly deceiving ourselves and creating a false sense of how my pain or my upset is being caused by people or circumstances outside of me. And I was reading from the introduction of that book that's geared to businesses, and it sounds just like what Dr. Michael Rice has distilled from the ancient Aramaic scripture, the Kaboris Manuscript, and from A Course in Miracles. So, you know, books like um, Leadership and Self-Deception and The Anatomy of Peace have the core idea about how we are not accurately perceiving the world outside of us. We are actively constructing a reality every time we think we know what's going on. And the reality we think we know what's going on that we're constructing is different, often radically different from the person standing right next to us viewing the same circumstances. And so here's a book, the title of which is Leadership and Self-Deception. And in the intro, it tries to highlight the fact that when we look out through our eyes and hear things through our ears, and we think with that very limited bit of perception that we know what's going on, we're deceiving ourselves. And the alarm system that's built into our perceptual process we're not taught about. We're taught to think that when I feel a negative emotion, that means someone or something outside of me is wrong and he, she, or it needs to change. The ancient wisdom was, when I feel a negative emotion, that's my alarm system telling me I am only seeing a tiny, tiny bit of the actuality of life and it's resonating pain traumatic energies, sadness, fear from my past, and I'm using it to construct a perception of reality that's nothing like what the Creator gave us in each moment. And so it's my alarm system to turn inside and dismantle what's less than love within me, and every time I do that, I get a closer and closer picture of what's actually going on, and then 
I can choose to extend my true nature of love in that moment and watch how my world changes for the better. So we're here to teach and support and coach people in using these tools to actively apply them in their lives to make their life better. And we'd be happy to have questions, comments, testimonials at 646-200-4169. Just press 1 and Jeannie will know that you're there with a question or a comment. And... um, I'll ask Jeannie, do we have anybody with a hand up or anybody in the chat room with a question or a comment? Or you have well, any? Well, we did have a <laughs> we did have a hand up and I think it was Gail and now she's disappeared off the switchboard. So Gail, if you're still with us, press 1. Uh she's actually driving and on her way here. And uh so she may have had to have gotten off for the due to traffic or something or other. And chat room's very quiet. Nobody's So got do any you have any there. Questions or comments about what I've said so far in the intro or something to add that comes to your mind? Um, no, but I've made a note of the book, so um, I will definitely uh, check that out. I had not heard of it. So it's awesome. Well, the the preface I read <clears throat> years ago, I think uh, it was a show when Michelle and I were on, and Michelle had a, a friend, uh, not a friend, she had a, a a client with her, and she was there. Rachel was the woman's name. And so as a preface, before we got into the the show with Rachel, I read a little bit from the preface. It says, and I quote, For too long, the issue of self-deception has been the realm of deep-thinking philosophers, academics, and scholars working on the central questions of the human sciences. The public remains generally unaware of the issue. That would be fine, except that self-deception is so pervasive that it touches every aspect of our lives. Touches is perhaps too gentle a word to describe its influence. Self-perception actually determines, I'm sorry, self-deception actually determines one's experience in every aspect of life. The extent to which it does that and in particular, the extent to which it determines the nature of one's influence on and experience of others is the subject of this book. So, you know, it's powerful. It's a set of observations that's not unique to Dr. Michael Rice and this work. We have a, have quoted several times the CIA website that has a page about perception where they're studying it and they understand I don't actively or sorry passively perceive reality my mind uses perception to actively construct a reality and in each moment I'm constructing my own personal reality and it can be dramatically different from every other reality that's being constructed by every other person near me or far away from me. So, thoughts, comments? It's amazing how, amazing how our minds can work <laughs> and how they do that and how it seems so real. Yeah, and it, it's an amazingly effective system 
And it's amazing how we've been taught to misread the signals that this very effective active feedback system is giving us. You know, the creator put into me the ability to become aware of things that are unpleasant, that are created in my thoughts and my emotions and my reactions to people. And the culture taught me that that meant whenever I have a negative thought or emotion that someone outside of me needs to change. But the creator put that system in me with the understanding that I'm the one who's creating my experience. And so if I have an unpleasant or negative emotional experience, that's my alarm system to take another breath, step back, reassess, rearrange the material that I'm paying attention to, or look for different evidence. And the culture has taught me the opposite. So the culture sends me off on a wild goose chase trying to change him, her, or it outside of me when I start to have a negative emotional experience or a negative thought. So it's a really, really good thing to have, number one, the awareness that the the alarm system is supposed to direct me to where the pain is, not outside of me. And if the pain is on the inside, that's where my awareness needs to go. And the next thing that's just wonderful is to have powerful and effective tools to dismantle the energies that are less than love and and restore myself to this experience of creation, growth, expansion, love, joy, comfort, security, strength, compassion, because that's where we were intended to live, and that's what we're intended to be extending and expressing in this world. I love the line from uh, Way of Mastery where it says, you know, when somebody asks you who you are, don't tell them a name. Don't give them a gender or a political uh, ideology or identification. Don't tell them what geographic location you come from. Tell them the truth. Tell them, and I quote from the Way of Mastery. This is close. I might miss a word or two. But the quote is, say to them, I am the extension of love in form. I am infinite and eternal. I have never been born, and I shall never face death. I shine forth as a sunbeam to the sun. I am the effect of God's love, and I stand before you to love you. End the quote. If I am able to remove what's less than love for me in the moment, I embody an experience of that statement. And I know, Jeannie, you've been around some people who've done that. I know, Jeannie, you yourself have been in a space where you held the space of love when somebody else was feeling something less than love and seen the dramatic impact. That's what this work's about. It's not about the words. It's not about the people. It's about the process. And when the process is applied to my life in the moment, the miracle of creation extends itself from my presence. I am a conduit 
of that energy. I didn't source it. I can't create it. I can only allow it to teach me in each moment more about my true nature and about the true nature of the brilliant beings around me. So I'll take a breath and hear more of your comments. I heard a couple um. groans or sighs or... <laughs> And it's, it's, you know, we are so good at our own story and our own construct. And it, when we're in it especially, it is so challenging to actually be able to step back and look at it and convince ourselves that it isn't really happening out there. That, you know, it's, um, you know, I was just reading uh, someone's comment in the chat room and and she said that she had so much rage and stuff up and um, how it's taught, like it was triggered by a car, but the release she did was on her sister. So how we can put our file folders together and link, you know, the car to the sister to the whatever and Anything will trigger it for us and bring it up for us to look at. But when we're in it, it is so hard to look and say, this is mine. It doesn't really have anything to do with the car. It doesn't really have anything to do with my sister. And sometimes, I know for me in the past, it it, it can get super intense. And, of course, especially the rage will uh, manifest quickly in our physiology. We'll feel the effects of it. And um, to continue to blame other people or other situations instead of saying, okay, this is mine, and they're just giving me the opportunity to look at it. And, you know, some people, and I've actually been there myself at some point in my life uh, before I knew this work, you can get to the point of it's just not worth living this. You know, it's not worth being in in this pain and and frustration and stuff all the time and get to the point where life seems hopeless. So these tools actually give hope. Um, You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. You can see that it works. And for me, it's been phenomenal, the change that I've seen in my own life. And there was something that happened just the other day that I was actually able to laugh at that before would have really been a trigger for me. And um, it was, we were attempting to uh, get a refrigerator for the intensive here because with all the food, one refrigerator is not enough for 13 people. Uh, Even though we order like every three or four days, we're still, like right now we've got probably two refrigerators and five coolers full of food. And um, so the rental place where I was getting the refrigerator wanted references so I gave them like my mother and my son and Michael and you know they wanted four references and within just a few minutes they called Michael so I thought oh they're really going to follow up on this so I called real quick and to let my son and my mother know that they could expect a phone call from these people and what it was about and they had already called my mom and she said yeah, they asked me, you know, um, what our relationship was and, and how often I talked to you. And I told them, oh, about every two or three weeks. And I just stopped. And it's like, what? 
<laughs> and I had to, I just laughed. It was funny, but it would have normally been a real big trigger. But I, I called her and I said, okay, I'm doing wake-up sheets on you saying I don't talk to you but every two to three weeks. I said, Mom, we talk every day. <laughs> it's like, so, but she's uh, one of my power persons. And so it's, uh, but we've come a long way. So it's awesome, and and I credit it to these tools and being able to look at it and pull up some issues by the roots and, and not let them run me anymore. There's still some that trigger me pretty deeply, but I'm getting there. I'm not perfect yet. Well, that's a good thing. It's a good thing that you're willing to use the tools and that you're not perfect yet because if you were perfect, you'd probably choose to leave the body and we'd miss you. Aw, <clears throat> Then you'd have to do a wake-up sheet on, on loss, huh? <laughs> yep. Yep, give me more worksheets yep. to do, and I already have plenty. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, um, since nobody's got their hand up, okay, people, come on. Um, we get to uh, do our own internal process here on the radio, since you all won't call in and, and put yours out there. Um, so talking about missing... There, I have to admit that, you know, uh, Michael has talked to a lot of people on the show and, and in person about, you know, when we say, I'll miss you or whatever, that it's on loss. And whenever I hear him say that, there's part of me that's like, okay, so if canceled thought, I left my body and I was out of here, you wouldn't miss me. <laughs> and it's So that does bring up stuff for me that it's like there's still part of you, even though you're not going to be here, you would hope that your presence would be that there'd be a little bit of a void that, you know, you would be missed. So what's that? Well, for me... Ego? (laughs) Well, for me, that is just my conditioned thought. You know, you were talking earlier about how hard this is. And Michael talks about how it really isn't hard. It takes effort, though. And the reason it takes effort is because if I have been born into a bloodline that for thousands of generations was conditioned to think, my emotions are derived from and dependent upon things on the outside and people on the outside saying, doing, and being what I want them to be, that's a lot of conditioning for me to unravel. There's a lot of momentum there in a certain direction. And... I have noticed, you know, I did a <clears throat> a talk. I, I had this fabulous gift given to me when I was in graduate school. And there's a, a two-hour workshop I'm now able, able to make available to people for free off my website, the audio download of this. But the tool I was given in grad school by a friend was a tool that talks about grief, ending termination, or ending relationships, terminating them, processing the sadness and pain and fear so that I have easy, open access to all the life lessons and all the good memories. And prior to learning that in my 30s, I'd had a lot of different relationships in grade school, high school, college, and after college that were very loving and very intense and they came to an abrupt end and we all just said okay we'll stay in touch great you know and then moved on and and I didn't stay in touch and they didn't stay in touch with me and 
and I carried deep energies of sadness, darkness, depression that would get triggered time and again when I would get close to someone and then circumstances would change and the relationship would change or they would move away. They'd go to a different high school. They'd go to a different college. They'd move out of state after college or move to a different city in the same state after college. And after each one, I would get this heavy feeling of depression, dark, doom and gloom. And it would be there for months after a loss. And I met a woman as an older woman, a friend, a mentor, and she taught me this process in graduate school. And when I went through it, I did a grieving, dismantling, termination, rebuilding process that let me go through losses ever since then in an entirely different way that allowed me to process through the beliefs about how this is bad or I'm, I'm going to be sad or I'm going to be depressed or this is going to hurt and prove to myself that's an internal construct, prove to myself it wasn't going to overwhelm me and allow me to have active, alive, direct, loving access to all the good memories and all the life lessons from those relationships. And I'm just here to tell you, as someone who's been from one side to the other, that yes, it is possible to have a deep, loving, connected relationship with someone, have it come to an end that you don't want. You want them to still be here. You want the relationship to continue. And to do a process that moves you into the space of being able to be joyful about the connection the experience, the life lessons, and drop the energy of grief and loss and sadness because that's all a creation. It's a creation of my thinking the world should be other than the world is. And the world can't be any way other than it is. And if I have a negative emotion about how the world is, it's generated as a stress by the energy of a difference between the way it actually is or the way I view it and the way I want it to be. And the more energy I put into the way I want it to be, the more stress, anger, fear, sadness, pain, or confusion I feel about it. It's an internal process. And my wailing and grief and sadness and depression after losing a relationship is not as the world would teach me, evidence of how much I truly love that person. It's simply evidence of how much I've been conditioned and I have the strength of, of motivation, of, of uh, momentum going to generate depression and loss and sadness. It's got nothing to do with my love for that person, my love for that person, my experience of my energy of love and their energy of love in resonance when we're together is nothing but joyful. And even though they're not in my physical space, I can still tap into that energy because it's my true nature and it's their true nature, whether they're in the body or not, whether they're in the bed next to me or across the continent from me, whether they're, they died 50 years ago or they've yet to be born. 
these energies are infinite. And my ability to experience them is an internal job. It's entirely possible to move through a transition and label it a transition. Way of Mastery says, would you think about getting depressed when you're in a room, in a house with somebody, and they open a door and walk into another room and close the door behind them? No. They're still there in the house with you. They're still there. Well, then why would you get upset when someone drops the body? Well, because you've got a set of thoughts that says they're no longer there or that you're not going to have access to all of the good memories and all of the joy and all of the energies that get generated inside you that resonate with the energies that were inside them. That's all still there unless I block myself from it, unless I've been conditioned to believe this is a bad thing that they're gone, I really miss them, and I focus my thoughts on the negative energies. And then I I start feeling so negative, so depressed, so sad, so lost, that I try to block the the memories because I'm convinced it's going to overwhelm me or I need to get functional, I need to go do the intensive later today, and I I can't focus on the pain of the loss. So I block my awareness of everything about that relationship and all those loving memories because I'm afraid to deal with the pain or the sadness or the fear. And then, over time, I build the habit of blocking any loving memory that comes up, any energy of resonance of love or compassion or or eroticism that might come up because it's attached to this set of thoughts and beliefs I have that say it's a bad thing that they're not here, that I really miss them, that it's painful. And eventually I block myself from experiencing the life lessons, the loving energy, the joyful times, the resonance of my true nature as love, at resonating with theirs. I block myself from that awareness because I've convinced myself that it's attached to pain and sadness and fear that I can't deal with. And the process that's available on my website in that two-hour workshop I did lets people, if they use the process, lets people demonstrate to themselves, oh, this pain and fear and sadness stuff is something I'm creating, and I can experience it, breathe through it, do what Rumi says, hold the presence of love in the in the presence of this pain, and that pain then becomes medicine, and the medicine heals, and what heals is my experience of life in the moment and my ability to tap into and fully experience the loving memories, the joyful memories, the frustrating memories, the sad memories, the painful memories, the angry memories, and have ready access in the library of my mind to every one of those memories and all the associated life lessons. And then it's like that person is alive in the moment with me because we are all connected and it all is energy. And everything everything about how you know, well, you don't really love me or you would be sad or or you don't really love me if you could think about me going and not get depressed. That's what the culture teaches, and it locks us into the same kind of codependence that creates disasters in life and relationships. So I'll take a breath. Awesome. The horses are actually... Broke down the corral door and got out of out of the, out of the corral there for a minute, but I got him back in. Okay. 
<laughs> Maureen's in the chat room and she was saying she's taking a trauma counseling class right now and, and uh, she is learning just how far wide and deep that conditioning goes I asked her if there was anything to share yet she's just started the class so uh, anyway we'll see if she has anything to respond to and thank you for that uh, insight we do have a call this is um, oh this is probably Jim Farmer 417 you're on the air Yes, it is, Jim. Hello, all. Hey. To Tim, I want to thank you because your intro and and what you just shared, uh, and uh, I forgot the – I have never been to your website, so would you uh, tell me uh, the URL for your website? Hello? Are you there? Did I lose you? I can hear you. Dr. Tim's still on, but I'm here. On? I'm here. Yes, oh, it I was. Could... I was giving I was giving the website. The easiest oh, way okay. to get it is c and h counseling dot com. C is in cat. A n d h is in hat. Counseling. C o u n s e l i n g dot com. Okay. And then great. from the and, and then from the front page. At the top, it says Home, About Us, and Media. If you click on Media, and then it takes you to the Media page, click on Audio, and the first three links there, the first one is the talk I gave at the Unity of Woodstock on January 17th, and then the next two are the actual workshop, one, one hour each on those files. Okay, and, great. And, and, great. And if you're interested in it, um, I actually have available um, the PDF that can be downloaded. Okay. Well, I, I will definitely go to the site. Uh, I have an observation, a uh, comment, actually a couple of comments about what you were sharing. Uh, and one came from your intro, uh, and the other popped up while you were talking about the process you learned from that mentor uh, about separation and loss and what have you. And what uh, the first comment I wanted to make is that uh, I think, you know, it starts with awareness, as you said so aptly in, in the introduction. It starts with awareness about what's really going on, and our perception uh, is based upon, you know, carbon-based memory, which those of us that have been studying the work know. And, and what I would offer is that what something needs to happen before to create the awareness. And for me, there's one word that does that, and it's curiosity. And I keep on reinforcing in myself my curiosity. And, and where that applies is that if all of a sudden I find myself in upset, uh, I'm, I'm triggered by whatever, uh, or I've got a, an emotion that's up that reflects fear or hostility or anything less than love, I get curious. And curiosity is what leads me to awareness. And, and the way I get curious is I, I ask myself, what's going on here and it's curiosity that creates it so I think curiosity is a really really good first step it works for me anyway the second comment I wanted to make about what you were sharing about loss 
and and recognizing that we can we can tap into all the wonderful experiences we had with that person, whether they are in the next room or in the next county or in the next state or in their next spiritual state where they've left their physical body behind. Uh, for me, uh, a suggestion is that all of those things are, are very, very doable. And I think what most of us, and I'm speaking for myself here, I think what most of us have done or what, let me language it positively, I think what would be helpful for us to do would be to practice that and practice it on self first. When I think about love of self, uh, I have to have love of self before I can have love of others. I, uh, an exercise, and I'm going to start to do this more uh, as a result of what your instruction was today, and that is, start to think about all the good things I like about myself, all of my good memories about myself, the positive things that I have done in my life. And I think all too often, again, speaking for myself, we get into a place of, well, I did this wrong, I did that wrong, and it's the way we were conditioned. It's the condition of the mind, that the way we were parented, the way we were enculturated, uh, the way the things that religion, organized religion taught us in many, in many cases. So I just think starting with self and, and looking back and recognizing all the, the good things I did, the good things that I experienced, all the joys I experienced, my experiences uh, as a child in different uh, scenarios that were joyful, that were happy. And I'm complete. I just wanted to share that thought with, with the group. All right. Thank you. Um, let, let me offer that the uh, the idea of this concept is okay. However, in this work, we would talk not so much about loving yourself as using the tools to remove everything that's false, that's less than love, and you'll be left with the direct experience of your true nature, which is the energy of love, and then you're able to extend that to everyone and everything. It's not about loving yourself so then you can go out and love others. It's about realizing all there is is the energy of love in truth, in actuality. And that as I create an experience of something less than love, I'm in error, and I can use these tools to dismantle those energies, thoughts, inherited energetics from my past, and then it's as natural as a breath to reconnect with my true nature as the energy of love and extend that energy in every interaction. Uh, I agree. And actually, when I first had the thought, I was, I was, uh, I didn't language it the way I intended just then in that uh, when I first had the thought, it was about, uh, you know, Jeannie was talking about holding the space of love for somebody else. And what I intended to say was to learn to hold the space of love for myself first. Uh, and I agree with what you said, Dr. Tim. Well, thank you for the call. It's it's wonderful to hear from you as always, and I appreciate the input. Have a great day. Thanks, Thanks you too. The, uh, yeah, the uh, theme you know, the, every intensive seems to have a theme when we do the personal code evaluations, um, an issue that is either a one or a two for everybody in the group that's together. And, you know, it's we draw 
together or on purpose. But uh, this first nine days, the theme is um, love of self is one of the big challenges, either a one or two for everyone that's here, including myself. And Miss Gail, I don't know what keeps happening. She popped in again, and now she's gone again. So if you're able to talk at this time, press one. We've got 12 minutes. We've got time for you. She's on her way here. Maybe she's actually already arrived. I'm upstairs in in the room because everybody's down there with Ari. There's so much talking and stuff going on that I figured I better seclude myself so I could hear myself. (laughs) So, Gail, if you're still with us, press one again. They'll pop you back in. All right. Anybody else with a hand up or a question or a comment in the chat room? Uh, no, but I think Gail just popped back on again. 618, you're on the air. Hi. I'm still driving. <laughs> okay. Well, I look, look forward to seeing your face. Absolutely. I just wanted – I kept pressing one because I just wanted to validate um, the process that you're going through. I'm going through the exact same thing, have moved some major layers on the drive down, and um, – and so, yeah, things are moving, and uh, it, it is very physical this time. It's, it's manifesting in the cold, um, a lot of lung stuff, and, and a lot of mucus and phlegm. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to being there and um, going to the next layer for sure. I look forward to seeing you here. Yeah, the last intensive, you and I were partners, and we were both kind of going through the same stuff, too. So (laughs) we're definitely linked. I was wondering, um, one of the questions that I have for you is, are you dealing with hip issues as well this time? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Yay. I mean, not that I want you, not that I want either one of us to have hip issues, but driving is definitely right hip issues again. Yep, and the right so, is uh, male energy. The male the side. side. Yep. Absolutely. It's also the side where energy comes in on the left, goes out on the on the right. So it has to do with releasing that energy as well. Gotcha. So we'll work on it together, girl. Sounds good. I look forward to it. I estimate a time of arrival should be around 4.30. That's what Garmin okay. is saying. All right, just be safe. Yep. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, Tim, uh, for everything that you've said. Uh, Jim, it was great to hear your beautiful voice, and I'm glad that you're doing well. And um, I, I just needed to talk and, and let you know that I'm on my way, and I'm looking forward to this. So. Awesome. All right. Bless well, you. thank you for the call. Travel safe. Have a wonderful time at the, the intensive. Yes, sir. So, Jeannie, before I forget, I mentioned that people could also get the PDF that goes with the handout that goes with that workshop on saying goodbye to good people without saying goodbye to good memories. And they can get that at my website, cnhcounseling.com, then clicking on the media link and going all the way to the bottom of the page, it says document library. And if they click on saying goodbye to good people without saying goodbye to good memories handout, 
they'll have the the whole handout that I had for the workshop, and then they can click on the audio, and then the first three links there are the work the workshop that happened on the seventeenth of January. Awesome. Uh, I just got a text that I've got somebody at the front door with my kale. So um, if you'll talk for just a minute, I'm going to run down there and pay them. All right. Well, you know I can talk. (laughs) Okay, Um, go for it. I'll be right back. So let me just uh, give the reference we were talking about earlier, this book that has a lot of material that's very similar to the understanding of this work and it doesn't come from a spiritual or religious standpoint it comes from a practical standpoint and it's put out by the Arbinger Institute A-R-B-I-N-G-E-R and the title of the book is Leadership and Self-Deception, Getting Out of the Box, is the subtitle. And they also have another book in that series. And again, they're talking about critical understanding of how our minds and our bodies work together and how it affects our relationships, how we're creating our emotions on the inside. And um, the other book in that series is called The Anatomy of Peace. And they're written in, in, in a way that it is very much the same concepts that we're talking about on this show, and it's made and formatted so that it's palatable for a business environment where it's critical to have a good understanding of emotions, communication, and relationships. And in the book, Leadership and Self-Deception, Getting Out of the Box, the, the primary point there is the box that I put myself in has me think that I'm important and my needs are important and everybody else who's on the outside of me is not as important, and I see them either as a tool to get what I want or an obstacle to me getting what I want. So when I'm in my box, I'm not actually relating to other people as though they are equals, as though they are people with needs. And so it's a very, very similar process to... Of course, it doesn't have the specific of the ancient Aramaic tool of forgiveness, but the understanding of how we create our perceptions and how we look at each, at each other either as the extension of love and form or as a way of mastery would say it, you know, if if somebody breaks into my house and steals my stereo or something else that I really value deeply, I could look at that situation and generate a series of thoughts that have me feeling anger and resentment or or holding on to ideas of vengeance. Or I could look at that person who broke in and stole this thing that I value as another being of light and love who's either temporarily forgotten or has yet to discover their true nature as a being of light or love 
that they have forgotten how it's possible for them to get everything they need to experience themselves as love without hurting anyone or anything around them. And it's possible for me to view them that way, and when I do, change my experience of life in the moment, even though my stereo equipment or some other thing that I value greatly is no longer in my immediate possession. That is not the thing that's causing my upset. And they understand that in the book Leadership and Self-Deception. If I'm feeling tense, angry, scared, or frustrated, and I'm looking out at Jane or John in, in the workplace as a coworker, and I think that they are, or their lack of action or their action is what's causing me to feel that upset, then I begin to relate to them as though they are simply an obstacle or an opportunity. And I, I cease to relate to them as an equal, as a being of light and love, as the extension of love and form, as someone who's capable of extending the energy of creation in this moment and helping me heal what's less than love in me as I can offer to them the energy of creation to allow them to heal what's less than love in themselves. So this is work this is knowledge. This is a set of observations about how we actually function as human beings, and it's not proprietary. It doesn't belong to this church or that church, to this group of philosophers or that group of philosophers. It doesn't belong to this corporate coaching environment or another. It's been out there since time began. It's in wisdom schools around the globe and the reason it's not on the television, the reason it's not packing churches with thousands and thousands of people on Sundays is because it takes the application of tools and effort. And it's not Dr. Feelgood as I dismantle what doesn't belong within me. Michael likes to say, most people are so attached to their own opinion that they don't want to hear about the truth. And we've been conditioned to believe it's more important to be right than anything else. And as Course in Miracles and Way of Mastery will tell us and, and Krishnamurti will tell us, you only have a choice to be right or to be happy. You can't have both. And in this work our offering is to choose to be happy by dismantling everything in your energy system that's less than happiness, less than joy, less than peace, less than love. And we hope you can make yourself uh, uh, or make available to yourself these tools that Michael and Jeannie have put on the website and apply them, actively apply them in your life to help yourself have the best year yet of your eternal life. And we hope that you do that. And join us again tomorrow as we continue to explore how to get through life more lovingly. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.yagain.com.
www.whyagain.com. Evolving continuously.